happy Christmas. Um, our reading this morning is Psalm 136, um, all 26 verses, so I'll give you a wee minute to get that up on your phone or in your Bible. Um, at Village, we believe the Bible is God's word for us today. Um, it's his gift to the church. Um, 2 Timothy 3.16 describes the scriptures as God-breathed. Um, and through these scriptures, God reveals himself and his character to us, um, which is very apparent in this passage, as you'll see. Um, so because of this truth, we hold the scriptures in the highest regard. So let's hear the Lord speak to us this morning from Psalm 136. <coughs> Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day, for his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule over the night, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever. And brought Israel out from among them, for his steadfast love endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his steadfast love endures forever. And made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his steadfast love endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down great kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. And killed mighty kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, for his steadfast love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, for his steadfast love endures forever. And gave their land as a heritage, for his steadfast love endures forever. A heritage to Israel, his servant, for his steadfast love endures forever. It is he who remembered us in our low estate, for his steadfast love endures forever. And rescued us from our foes, for his steadfast love endures forever. He who gives food to all flesh, for his steadfast love <coughs> endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. This is the word of the Lord. God, thank you so much for this word. Thank you for the constant repeated truth that your steadfast love does endure forever. And um, God, I just pray now as Andrew comes to speak to us, you'll be with him. Um, give him the words to say, give us... <coughs> hearts that are open to hear um, of your great love this morning um, and to go forth um, in thanksgiving and praise um, because you've loved us so deeply. Um, so yeah, just be with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Lauren. Uh, good morning. Good to see you all. Uh, it's good to see a few visitors with us this morning. My name is Andrew. Uh, I am pastor here at Village Church. Um, and we've been going through this Advent series. We do this every year, the, the, the four weeks leading up to Christmas, um, just anticipating the coming, the birth of Christ, but also looking forward to the second coming when he will fulfill finally all his promises to us. Um, and we've been looking at various Psalms throughout the last uh, month, 
And, and today we get to Psalm 136, um, and we are particularly looking at the love of the king. Um, we've been looking at various, aspect, various aspects of this king, the baby born in the manger, all the straw still here. Um, I like that we have a like ethnic baby as well. That's good, like factually, historically accurate as well. Um, and we've looking at various aspects of the king, and today we're looking at this, the, his love, his love for us. Um, now, I love Christmas, but there comes for me a point every year when I kind of get a wee bit um, fed up with Christmas songs. Don't know if you're the same. Um, not carols, the, the Christmas songs on the radio, because they're so repetitive, aren't they? Like we're listening to car, a song, car, Christmas songs in the car last night, and one of the things you notice is that Christmas songs tend to have the same thing over and over and over and over again. The, the lyrics are so repetitive. Uh, songs like Last Christmas by Wham, you know that one? It's the same thing over and over and over again. Or Rocking Around the Christmas Tree or Merry Christmas, everybody. All these songs, and it's the same 10 or 12 songs we listen to every year, and they say the same thing over and over and over again. But Psalm 136, you probably noticed as Lauren was reading this, and there's a reason why we, 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 we had her read the all 26 verses, is because this is the ultimate repetitive song. It says the same thing over and over and over and over again. Because remember, the Psalms are songs. That's what they were written for. They, were, they would have been accompanied by music and sung by the people of the Old Testament, um, songs of praise and prayer and worship to God. And in Psalm 136, the same line is repeated 26 times. 26 times in 26 verses. So what could be worth repeating 26 times in one psalm? What is the one thing that, that is, is worth saying over and over and singing over and over and over again? Well, it's this phrase. 26 times this psalm tells us, His steadfast love endures forever. His steadfast love endures forever. So if you forget everything that I say this morning, remember this one thing. His steadfast love endures forever. What does that mean? Well, the word for, for steadfast love in, in the original language means loyal love. That's what it means. It literally means loyal love. And, and it incorporates God's kindness that never fails. That's what it means. It, his mercy. It, it's the outworking of the Lord's faithfulness to us through his covenant. Everything he has promised to us he is faithful to that. Um, but the best definition of steadfast love that I've ever come across is in the Jesus Storybook Bible that we read with our kids. Um, and if you're a parent, you might be familiar with this phrase. The woman who wrote the Jesus Storybook Bible, Sally Lloyd-Jones, she puts it this way. She says, it is never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Isn't that great? That's, that's the steadfast love of the Lord. Never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking always and forever love. This is, this is what it means to say that the steadfast love of God endures forever. It never stops. It never gives up. It's un, you can't break it. It's always and forever. God's love towards his people can't ever be extinguished, right? God says in his word that, that, that we are his treasured possession. That, that we are uh, the, the object of his love. And his love for us remains no matter what. You see, God's love is not like our love. Our love is just a shadow of true love. Now, one of the most popular Christmas movies, and I can't understand why, uh, is Love Actually. Anybody like that movie? Right, I'm here to tell you today that's an awful, terrible movie. It's rubbish, right? Uh, and the people in it are despicable. They betray each other and they're running around secret. It's awful. But 
it's a pretty accurate depiction of human love, isn't it? Because human love wavers. Human love is temporary. It, it, it is unfaithful. It comes and goes. It gives up. My love for my friends wavers. My love for my wife ebbs and flows. My love for my children is tested on a daily basis. But God's love is different. God's love is the template of love. It is never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever. His steadfast love endures forever. And we're going to repeat that phrase a lot this morning so that when we leave here today and we're having a Christmas dinner tomorrow, that's going to be in our minds. His steadfast love endures forever. See, year after year, the, the Israelite people would have gone, traveled back to Jerusalem, some of them from many miles, walking for days probably. And as they would walk, they would sing various psalms along the way. And when they got to Jerusalem and they were reminded of God's faithfulness to them, this is the psalm they would sing. Every year, whatever had happened in the year just gone, whatever had happened all that year, whatever trials and tribulations they had gone through, whatever hardships, poverty, famines, death in the family, whatever it may be, they reminded themselves that the steadfast love of God endured. And for us, there's, there's no better thing that we can do at the end of the year than to remind ourselves again that the steadfast love of God endures. No matter what we've been through this year, or this week, we remember that His steadfast love endures, right? Whatever pain or grief or, or trials or sickness or loneliness, depression, anxiety, whatever changes you've gone through this year, one thing is always constant. The steadfast love of God endures. And so when our hearts struggle with fear or discouragement or doubt, who doesn't struggle with doubt? Then we can remember this line, that the God's love endures. His steadfast love endures forever. If our faith falters, we can remember that God's immovable, undying, steadfast love always remains. When we, when we give in to temptation and sin, the, the steadfast love of the Lord doesn't even falter then. He, he's faithful to us and he, he disciplines us and corrects us in his loyal love and compassion. He, he brings us into confession and repentance again. And, and when we repent and confess, he is faithful to forgive. So if there's one thing that you consider and think about this Christmas... Let it be this. When we are in Jesus, nothing can separate us from his love. Isn't that just an amazing thought? His steadfast love endures forever. This is why it's repeated in this psalm over and over and over again. Because we're, we, we're meant to remember it. And we're forgetful. We're meant to be reminded of that. The boat in the middle of the storm to, fall on, to walk under the water. He was okay for a while. He started to die. Is that a weird name? We back. When Peter stepped out of the, the boat and he saw the storm all around him, for he was, when he was looking at Jesus, he was absolutely fine. But then he saw the storms around him and he started to doubt. He started to doubt that Jesus was faithful and he began to sink into the water. This is what we do, isn't it? We see the situations around us and we start to doubt. And this is why we need to come back 
to this psalm. This is why we need to come back to this truth that his steadfast love endures forever. We are meant to grasp it. We're meant to know it. We're meant to remember it. But if we're meant to grasp it and know it and remember it, how do we know it's true? How do we, how do we know that this is actually true? Well, there's two reasons that we can trust that this is true. And the first reason that is that God said it. <laughs> right? This is no ordinary song. This isn't just Elton John singing Step Into Christmas a hundred times in a row, right? This is, I love that song. Um, <laughs> this is a song written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Every psalm in the Bible is written by a Spirit-inspired songwriter. Every, every songwriter is led by the Spirit of Jesus himself. And because it is the Spirit-inspired Word of God, we know that it is trustworthy and true because God cannot lie. And so we know that this is a, a true and trustworthy statement, that his steadfast love endures forever. That's the first reason. God said it, so it's true. We can take that all the way to the bank. But the second reason that we know this statement is true is not only because God has said it, but because God has proved it. He has proved his steadfast love. And, and if we read through the words of this psalm, like Lauren read for us, it, it recounts all the ways that God has proved his faithfulness to the people of Israel and to us. This psalm recounts the past, but it's not just about history. Because God's action in the past serve as our guarantee that God will be faithful in our present and in the future. So we can look back and know that his steadfast love endures because he has proven it in his actions. But not only has God proven it in his actions, he has proven it in a, in a person, hasn't he? What were the kids saying? Jesus is God's gift to us. And each of the Psalms we've looked at um, this Advent has been a royal Psalm. Psalms that are written as speaking of the anointed kings of Israel and pointing forward to the one and true king. And when we look at these verses and see all the ways that God has proven his steadfast love, we see that the proof is in the Lord Jesus. See, Jesus is the embodiment of the steadfast love of God. Let me say that again. Jesus is the embodiment of the steadfast love of God. So parents will know what it's like to have a wee baby, like wee Eliza there, and, and you're looking at this wee tiny thing, and you're, and you're wondering, I wonder what their personality is going to be like, or I wonder what kind of things they're going to be into, or are they going to be musical, are they going to be arty, are they going to be whatever? And part of the fun of watching your kids grow up is seeing all that stuff develop and realize they're nothing like you. Um, but when we come to Bethlehem and look into the manger and, and see Jesus swaddled in those cloths, we don't have to wonder we don't have to wonder about all the potential of this baby because all the potential was laid out for us in prophecy long before he was born. All he would be and all he would do has been foretold. So, so we can look at the baby and we can, see that the, the, we can see in this child the embodiment of the steadfast love of God. And this psalm tells us five things about the king, about our king. Five things that prove God's love towards his people. Firstly, he is, our king is God and Lord. He is God and Lord. We see this in verses 1 to 3. Um, verse 2, he, he is God of gods. In verse 3, he is Lord of lords. This baby, our king, Jesus, is, is God and Lord. God of gods and Lord of lords means that, that he is far superior to any other gods 
Now, that doesn't mean that there actually are other gods in existence. It's just a way of saying that, that God, the Lord, Yahweh, is the one true God. And he is far superior to anything else we would worship. And maybe you're thinking, well, what are you talking about? I don't worship anything else. Like, I, you know I'm a Christian. I, I come to church. I worship Jesus. I don't have other gods in my life. But is that really true? Is that true for any of us? Tim Keller said that an idol is anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. So is it really true for us that, that, that we don't have anything that absorbs our heart and imagination more than God? What do we look to? We do this with all kinds of things. We look to our friends to give us loyalty. Both single and married people look, idolize marriage as a source of fulfillment. We look for security in our jobs and our money. But in truth, only the one true God can meet our needs. We need to come to Jesus, the Lord of Lords. See, you can lose your job, but you can never lose your salvation in Christ. You can lose your friends, but you can never lose your eternal inheritance. You can lose the love of a spouse, but you can never lose the love of God. Christmas can make us feel happy and, and cover our grief, but only the Lord Jesus has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Nothing else is worth worshiping. Only his steadfast love endures forever. And he has proved it in Jesus because Jesus is God and Lord. But not only is our King Lord of Lords, he's also our creator. We see this in verses four to nine as, as the psalmist starts to recount that these great wonders he has done. He's done great wonders. He made the heavens and the earth and the sea. He made the sun and the moon and the stars. And he made us. And we need this constant reminder, don't we? The Lord we worship isn't some demigod. He, he's not some wise man or philosopher or, or teacher or preacher. He's not even just somebody that did good miracles. He is our creator. He spoke the universe into being. John 1. Verses 1 to 4 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. See, the Christmas story is not about the birth of a holy man, or a, a good teacher, or a saint. It's not about God sending a messenger down to earth. The Word was in the beginning. He is God himself. He has always been. There has never been a time when he was not. The Christmas story is about the almighty creator of the universe. Creator of heaven and earth. Eternal and majestic God entering into his creation. Even without the cross, God is as a, a tiny helpless infant just cause us to fall down and worship in adoration of him. And look at, I'm sorry, sorry guys, I'm going to use Eliza a lot this morning because it's Christmas and we need a baby. Uh, <laughs> but you look at wee baby Eliza and she's this big. Right, her head, her head, like I wasn't holding her awkward way, I had my hand on her head. And it's that size. The all of God, the fullness of the eternal majestic God in something like that. In the manger of Jesus, God emphatically declares to us, I am with you. There's not, nothing more human than a wee baby. There's nothing more needy than a wee baby. And this is how God chooses to come to us, 
out of his overflowing love between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God created the world. Just like children are born out of the, the love between a husband and wife. And, and, and likewise, out of his overflowing love for us, for his creation, God entered his creation. Creation itself, when we look around, should be a testament, a reminder of the enduring love of God. His steadfast love endures forever. But not only is, is uh, Jesus our King, uh, God and Lord, not only is he our creator, he's also our deliverer. We see this in verses 10 to 16. These verses tell us of how God delivered the Old Testament people out of slavery and bondage in Egypt. It says his outstretched arm. Um, his outstretched arm. That's just a, in verse 12, that's just a metaphor for God's intervention. That's just saying that he is strong and mighty. He acted with power with an outstretched arm. His outstretched arm saved his people. He overthrew, overthrew the armies of the mighty Pharaoh. He parted the Red Sea to bring them to safety. He provided them through the long years in the wilderness. He, he, br he brought them home to the land that he provided for them. But of course, even that great deliverance was merely a signpost, a signpost pointing forward to an even greater deliverance. The deliverance on offer to all who trust not in the blood of a lamb, but who are covered by the blood of the lamb. When Jesus went to the cross, he took our place, dying a criminal's death, a slave's death, so that we could go free. He delivered us. And when he rose from the dead on the third day, he broke the power of our captors. He delivered us. For those who are in Christ Jesus, sin has no more power over us. He delivered us. Like the carol says, chains shall he break for the slave is our brother. He has broken our chains. He has set us free. Our king bled and died and rose again to set the captives free. So whenever our faith wavers, whenever we're full of doubt, whenever we're tempted to trust in other things to, to save us, we need to remember not just Israel's deliverance from Egypt, but our deliverance through Jesus from sin and death and hell. His steadfast love endures forever. He has delivered us. So he is God and Lord, he is our creator, he is our deliverer, and then we see that he is our provider. In verses 17 to 22, uh, we see this play out. See, when the Israelites got into the, the promised land, the land of Canaan, God proved his faithful love to them over and over and over again through the conquest of hostile kings. The history books of the Bible show us and tell us how Israel fought these battles, but it was the Lord who won the battles. It was the Lord who empowered them. It was God who defeated the enemies of his people. See, these weren't battles for battle's sake. They were for the reason we see in verse 21. He gave their land as a heritage, an inheritance. The proof of God's enduring loyal love was not just that he won battles for his people, but that through those battles, God provided for his people the inheritance of a dwelling place, of a home. And every step along the way affirmed that God's Faithful love is eternal. And of course, you know by now that all of this is pointing forward to the inheritance that believers receive in Christ. We have received an inheritance. But what is our inheritance? It's eternal life in the presence of Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 says that we have been born again into an inheritance that can never perish spoil or fade. This, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. See, what, what we get, what we receive in Christ 
is far better than anything else the world can offer. Like this week, I was listening to the radio Talk Sport, because you guys know by now I love Talk Sport, and their advert came on for the lottery, and it's this guy phones in, and he's phoned the lottery, and he's won the lottery, and they say, yep, I can confirm you've won 1.2 million, right? He's won 1.2 million, and he says, what should I do now? And the answer is, go and have the best Christmas ever. I'm like, is that it? Is that it? The, the, the best, and I'm not, hey, if someone gave me 1.2 million, I'd probably be pretty happy, but the best the world can offer is the hope of a comfortable life. That's it. The best you can hope to achieve in life is comfort. A bit of money, nice house, a nice car, whatever it may be. Stuff and money. But, but what does that really matter, really? What happens when the money runs out? Or you get to the end of your life and you have to leave it behind anyway. But what we receive in Christ is far better than anything the world can offer us. Our inheritance in Christ is imperishable. It will never spoil or fade. The riches of eternal life will never run out. Listen, I could spend 1.2 million so easily. You've no idea. But you could never spend the fullness of the grace of Jesus. This is what Jesus has provided for us. Now, here's the, here's the thing about an inheritance. You can't do anything to earn an inheritance, right? You, you just have to be in the family to receive it. When I receive an inheritance, if someone says, that's yours. And the only way to receive the inheritance, this eternal inheritance, is, is through being joined to the family of God through faith in Christ. We have to be born again into his family. And because of his steadfast enduring love, he is faithful to save everyone who believes in him. So this king who has come and this promised king who is born in the manger and who one day will come again, he is God and Lord. He is our creator. He is our deliverer. He is our provider. And then finally, to sum it up, we see that our king is our savior. Jesus is our savior. Let me read verses 23 to 25. It is he who remembered us in our low estate for his steadfast love endures forever and rescued us from our foes for his steadfast love endures forever and who gives food to all flesh for his steadfast love endures forever. How has he remembered us in our lowest state? Well, God took on flesh. That's how. He was born as one of us. The, the creator God entered his creation. He slept beneath the stars he had made. The incarnation is, 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 a, is utterly humiliating to the God of heaven. Do you understand that? Humiliate himself. All of God infinite in tiny baby infants. He took on our low estate. Verse 24 says, he's rescued us from our foes. How has he rescued us from our foes? Well, he went to the cross, didn't he? His never stop, or never stop and never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love pursued us, not just to earth, but to death. He took on the very worst that hell could throw at him and won the victory we could never win. Our, our greatest enemy. He has defeated our foes. Our greatest enemy. Our greatest enemy isn't the devil, no. Our greatest enemy is death. And death itself has been defeated. And for those of us who are in Christ, the only thing that death does for us now brings us into his presence. Literally has no power over us anymore. Verse 25 says, he has given food to all flesh. How has he given food to all flesh? Well, that's because the offer of salvation is open to everybody. Anyone who believes in Jesus will be saved. 
And so this Christmas, just let's trust in Jesus. Because without Christmas without Christ is, is nonsense. It's pointless, isn't it? We need to look in the manger and see that the baby, see the baby for who he is. He is, he is God and Lord. He is creator. He is deliverer. He is provider. And he is our savior. This is his love. This is great love to us. And, and what's our response to this king? When we look in the manger, what's the response? What, what do we do when we like, get to Bethlehem, as it were, and, and see this baby and see the, the embodiment of the steadfast love of God? Verse 25 says, give thanks to the God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. That's it. Give thanks to the God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. So tomorrow, when you wake up and you enjoy all the, I mean, some of us are going to be up pretty early, I have a feeling. <laughs> um, um, and you're enjoying all the festivities of Christmas Day, and no doubt you'll get presents and give presents, and no doubt you'll enjoy some good food and good drinks. Just remember that all these things are, are just shadows, just shadows pointing to the steadfast love of God. And it is good and right that we feast and celebrate because his steadfast love endures forever. That's the reason we celebrate. Charles Spurgeon, um, yes, I'm quoting Charles Spurgeon. Uh, he, he, had the, he, he gave this Christmas Eve sermon in the 1800s on Christmas Eve, and he says this. I love this line here. He says, feast, Christians, feast. I love that. You have the right to feast, he says. Go to the house of feasting tomorrow. Celebrate your Savior's birth. Do not be ashamed to be glad. You have a right to be happy. Go your way. Rejoice tomorrow. But in your feasting, think of the man in Bethlehem. Let him have a place in your hearts. Give him the glory. Think of the virgin who conceived him. But think most of all of the man born, the child given. So, so tomorrow, let's feast and feast well. And as you feast, Remember this one thing and give thanks to the God of heaven. His steadfast love endures forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word that lights our path, that gives us truth, that fills our hearts, that corrects our thinking, that gives us life. Father, we want to thank you for these words in uh, this psalm, that your steadfast love endures forever. Lord, we thank you that you've proven that to be true through the countless ways you've shown your faithfulness to us over the years, but mostly through this child born, this son given, this savior on the cross, this savior risen from the dead, this savior ascended into heaven. Lord Jesus, we just have to give you all the glory and praise this morning. I pray, Lord, that for all of us, that as we, as we do celebrate tomorrow, that that's what will be in our hearts and our minds that we would speak that truth to one another. Father, I pray that um, you would just remind us again of your steadfast love. May we never forget it. As we head into next year, not knowing what's going to come along, let's go in with that. Lord, may we, may we carry that truth into this year. Steadfast love endures forever. Thank you, Lord, that that will never change. It will never stop. It will never break. It will never give up. Until you return, Lord, bring us fully and finally into your kingdom. And we pray these things as we come to the table, celebrating your death once again.